Luke 9, 49-50 reads, John answered, Master, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him, because he doesn't follow with us. But Jesus said to him, Don't stop him, for the one who is not against you is for you. Hello, and welcome back to Think This Way, the podcast of Faith Bible Church here in Evansville, Indiana. My name is Bryce. I'm one of the pastor elders here. Today, I've got the pastor elder, Mike Schaus, with me. Mike, thanks for being here. Bryce, there's no place I'd rather be. Thanks for having me. Oh, wow. I'm flattered. And Mike, my running joke is that we pick you for all the controversial podcasts. Bring it on, man. (laughs) Actually, I picked you... Uh, when I go through and think of which elders to invite for which episodes, I was talking to Michaela about this just today. I try to choose based on what I think you're strong in. And I feel like one of the things I've appreciated about you, Mike, is how you interact with believers who don't line up with you on every theological point, but are genuine believers, but are different. And that's exactly what we're talking about today. As we're kind of wrapping up our quarterly focus on the Holy Spirit, We will be starting a new quarterly focus coming up very soon on prayer, which will be exciting. But as we wrap up this focus on the Holy Spirit, we've had some podcasts on what it means to be a cessationist, a continuationist. We talked about last week very wrong views of the Holy Spirit, uh, which are held by many, and of his activity. But I wanted to make sure to have this episode today because while the large majority of those practicing what we consider charismatic gifts today are within the prosperity gospel, actually, or other groups that are unusual or heretical, while that's the case of the large majority, there is a very large number of genuine, true, solid, godly believers who disagree with us on whether some of the early sign gifts of the church are still operative today. In other words, we're cessationists, they are continuationists, but they are, as I've titled this episode, respectable continuationists. So let me make that real practical for a second by just talking about a few of the teachers, Bible teachers, pastors, scholars that many of us, many of you listening to this, and many of us, me, Mike, and others here, have appreciated, Mm. but who are actually continuationists. Here for me is the big one, John Piper. What? John (laughs) Piper. I love John Piper. He's a continuationist. He doesn't speak in tongues himself, but reading 1 Corinthians 12 and 14, he believes that people do speak in tongues today. He wants the gift, desire the gift, Paul said. So he believes that those gifts are operative today, even though he's what we'd call open but cautious, Mm. open on biblical grounds, but not really necessarily practicing it vigorously. Of course, one of the best-known continuationists today is Wayne Grudem, who wrote the very well-known systematic theology that like all of us use, because it's so fantastic. Uh, But I give it to people, and I just caveat it with, we don't line up on the gifts. <laughs> he does there is believe, a chapter. Yes, he does believe in prophecies coming from the Lord today. He's respectable because he does not put those prophecies, tongues, and their interpretation on the level of Scripture. I find that difficult to get my mind around, but that's his position. I'm glad he safeguards the authority of Scripture. 
Matt Chandler, uh, I don't follow closely all these guys, so I don't know today where things stand, but I know he was someone who had, I think at some point, was taking Sam Storm's book, Practicing the Power, which was arguing, no more open but cautious. Let's let's use the gifts in the church. Let's do it. I think Chandler kind of grabbed onto that and was trying to implement that in his church. Maybe did. I don't know. I haven't followed that. But he's someone we've respected. C.J. Mahaney. Again, some of these guys have had issues that have gone on, and I'm not going to weigh in on any of that. I'm just saying we've respected and appreciated their teaching, and they differ. Sovereign Grace Ministries under Mahaney, that's continuationist. A surprising one is D.A. Carson, if you know him, a very great biblical scholar. Love his work. He's actually surprised everyone who just assumed he's cessationist, for sure. And then he came out with a commentary on 1 Corinthians and argued in favor of the continued activity of tongues. Hmm. Everyone went, what? (laughs) But there you go. When I look at people in the past, it's a little harder because this continuation cessationism debate raging, you know, more recently, ever since the beginning of the 1900s in some sense, but it's harder to get a feel because you can't just go ask them, what are you? But I think people we would call continuationist from the past that we've respected would be Martin Lloyd-Jones. You can go online and there's all this debate because everybody wants to claim him. (laughs) Cessationists want to say that's what he is, continuationist. But from what I've read, the excerpts that I've read, people have posted from Lloyd-Jones sermons, I think we'd call him continuationist. Same with A.W. Tozer, certainly more open to the gifts today. But again, there's some debate there. And I would finally just say on a personal level, I have had and I have friends who are solid believers whom I love very much who are continuationists and believe those gifts are for today, and I would just disagree with them. But usually the friends I've had are the open but cautious variety. But I want to turn this over to you now, Mike, um, as we talk about these respectable continuationists. And just ask, what has your experience been? It's just an experience, so it's not like some final evidence. But I'm just curious, your experience, have you known very many people who are continuationists? And what's that been like? It's a good question, Bryce. I appreciate the introduction you gave me here. I thought you invited me on because I raised my hands while I'm singing on Sunday mornings. <laughs> I saw that. No, just kidding. <laughs> so that's good. People do that. That's fine. That's I do love great. it. Yeah. Uh I also have continuationist friends. I have some right now. I should probably, maybe I should whisper that. I have some that even go to our church. So, <laughs> <laughs> Listen, you're listening to this and we love you very much. That's why we have this episode to say, you're, we love you here. Be here. Wrestle with, for the truth with us. Exactly right. These friends I have now are amazing people. Uh, you know, they're not content with just a head knowledge of scripture, but they believe in that power of the spirit that brings life and that changes us from the inside out. Um, you know, they have a view of God that is big, a big view of God that he can do miraculous things. They are, I would say, Bryce, exactly like you and me, (laughs) but in, in, in all fairness, uh, those are cautious, uh, continuationists, you know, they, uh, we usually, when we think of continuationists, we're thinking of speaking in tongues. And I, when I was first married to my wife, uh, back in 96, she attended Calvary Chapel. That was the church she went to. And so there was a while where we were kind of feeling out each other's churches, deciding which church we were going to go to. 
And her church is really big on that baptism of the Holy Spirit, right? To get to to show evidence of salvation, you need to be that baptized by the Spirit. And I was like, I think I already was because that's what changed my heart, made me believe in Jesus, you know. But they were like, no, it's evidence of the speaking of tongues. And so I remember, like Piper, wanting oh so so desperately to speak in tongues and going out in the woods and trying, you know. But it just wasn't genuine, you know. I mean, it wasn't. And then just wrestling with that and saying, you know, I'm being honest with who I am as a believer. And I just don't see this as being a sincere part of my faith. It felt like I was trying to do something that wasn't actually there. And something I didn't actually see in scripture that was necessary. And so we, her and I wrestled with that over and over again with each other. And then she also agreed. And so we chose, obviously, FBC, which brings me here with you today. <laughs> yeah, which we're glad. Yeah, and we'll have had some episodes on what continuationism is over against our view of cessationism already. But um, just to give a gist, you know, when we're talking about respectable continuationists, you said, you know, many of the friends that you have, and mine too, are are cautious about it. It's good. We should be because we're thinking about scripture and making sure its authority is preserved and so forth. I wanted to just take a second to kind of rehearse when we're talking about someone who is a respectable continuationist, what what are they? What's their view that we're talking about here? And there can be a spectrum. There is a spectrum of views. So you'd have to ask each one. Even the teachers I'd listed all have different views. If you asked each one individually, what do you think about the gifts? They would have different nuances. Mm-hmm. So you can't really clump them all together, but for the sake of discussion, so we do. But here would be, I'd say, the gist of a respectable continuationist, they would say that the revelatory sign gifts, and by that I'm talking about those which reveal, like tongues and the interpretation of tongues, which is meant to reveal something to the church, prophecy, depending on how you take that, but I mean especially like telling the future type prophecy or a word from the Lord directly type prophecy, maybe word of knowledge wisdom, depending on what that looked like in the church, But a respectable continuationist would say that those, together with some of the confirming gifts like the gift of healing Mm -hmm. and the gift of miracles, um, that those are still active and normal, or should be normal, in the church today. So if you're a continuationist listening to this, I hope I did you justice, if that's your view. If not, let me know because there are differences, but I think that's the gist of what we're talking about. So those teachers I mentioned would hold a view like that, that those gifts, including tongues, prophecy, that those are gifts that came at Pentecost and they've not ceased, so they're still here in the church. Now, we've already talked about on this podcast our view as Faith Bible Church, that we believe those gifts have ceased and the reasons for that. What we're really just talking about in this episode, we're not making an argument for or against, we're just focusing on now Now that you have a view, I hope you have a view on this, how do you interact with someone who is solid theologically, that you are aligned, you're like-minded, but on this issue you differ? You know, they're a continuationist, or if you're a continuationist, the other one's a cessationist. I want to hearken back to begin this, because I'm going to ask you some questions about how we do this. our attitudes. I want to hearken back to several years ago here at Faith Bible Church. We had uh, John MacArthur's Strange Fire Conference. We streamed it in here. That was a conference, if you didn't know, 
that was about this very issue of cessationism, continuationism. Uh, it was John MacArthur, and I've appreciated MacArthur a lot. You know, he just says what he thinks. <laughs> and so it was a very firm conference, I will say that, in both in pros and cons, I guess. Um, and MacArthur's basic argument through that conference was that those who are continuationists, even the respectable ones, are opening the door to the non-respectable ones. Mm. They're opening the door for people because, it's true, the large majority of charismatics are in the prosperity gospel. So he would say by not being cessationist, which he believes is the biblical view, you're opening the door. So he said it very strongly. Uh, it's funny because my memory of it, you know, I was there working the booth, I guess. Um, and then afterward, I know at least one person who after that conference, I think it was because of that conference, stopped listening to John Piper. <laughs> and it breaks my heart because I love Piper. But Piper was mentioned by name in that conference, you know, and really challenged. Piper wasn't there. He wasn't invited, of course. Um, but just, uh, yeah, so that was kind of a consequence of it. It's interesting, though, because recently someone sent me a video where it was John MacArthur and John Piper on a panel. I think it was recently that this panel discussion happened. So after the after the conference? I think so. I, I should go double check that. Yeah. I think it was. But it was MacArthur saying about Piper, you know, I love everything about Piper. He said, I'm a closet uh, Christian hedonist, which is Piper's term. And so he just spoke so well of him. So whether it was before or after this conference, he would have known Piper's continuationist. So there you have in MacArthur himself a rather generous attitude toward Piper as a continuationist friend, just like he had towards Sproul as a Presbyterian, paedo-baptistic friend, but at the same time making it absolutely clear, I disagree with your position, at least strong enough that some people would stop listening to Piper. So all that to say, you can see even in that conference, and it, there is a tension where in any secondary issue where we disagree as a church or individuals with others, you want to be able to hold your position. You don't have to pretend like it doesn't matter. It matters, you know. While at the same time, if they're sound theologically, you want to express a spirit of unity. So that's why we have you here, Mike, <laughs> to help us with that very thing. And I've got these two questions for you. The first one is, help us to know as believers how should I think about and interact with teachers who are very solid in many, many ways? I'm thinking like a John Piper, or, who are very solid, have helped us greatly, but we disagree with their view of the gifts, their continuationists. How do I think about or interact with those teachers and their teachings? Hmm. That's good. You know, every one of those teachers that you mentioned is a teacher that I have loved, but have also had issues with, you know, because of course I feel like I have it all figured out, right? <laughs> so it's really hard to find. I'm glad you're here. You're the only yeah. person on the planet well, who I, finally I do it all not, out. <laughs> just in my own mind, right? <laughs> so it's funny, you know, I just feel like God is gifted as a church, as a body of believers. He's gifted certain people in different areas, which is like, you know, we're not all hands, we're not all feet or head or eyes. We do all this part and holistically we come together to form the body of Christ, the church. And so you have guys, you know, that are very gifted in teachings on this issue or on that issue or this other issue, right? And maybe they get off on some issues, but I mean, they're brilliant. Like you were talking about 
the uh, systematic theology by Grudem, which we just took, you know, guys that we were looking at to be, you know, leaders in our in our local church here. We took him through that book on purpose because that book is brilliant. I think we skipped the gift chapters. Did we skip them or just, uh, I think we might have skipped those chapters. Well, I remember even in the book, he gives like the various views. Yeah, he does. So I feel like we talked about it. Okay, we, maybe can, we did. I, how could you go through remember. that and not talk about it? I don't, I don't know. It's a great book nonetheless. Fantastic book. Yeah. So you talked about, you know, I was just thinking about myself, you know, what if they're like, what percent of them is a continuationist? Like, you know, Keller, one of my favorite teachers, considers himself 80% cessationist, you know, and 20% continuationist. And I love Keller. He's helped me through many, many dark times of my life. Or you mentioned R.C. Sproul. R.C. Sproul, who believes in pedo baptism, but yet taught me everything I know about the doctrine of tulip and just made sense, you know. Finally, where I like opened my eyes, were like, yeah, this really predestination does make sense, and it's a beautiful, assuring doctrine. You know, where would I be without that? So, I feel like you. I feel sad for people when they feel like, oh, this I disagree with this guy on this, and so I can never listen to this person again. It's like that's eventually your circle is going to get so small, and the teachers you allow yourself to listen to, it's just going to be a handful of people that you're missing out on all these gifts that God has given the church. So you're saying it's okay if I still read John Piper books? I love Piper. <laughs> I listen to him often. I do. I've, MacArthur and Piper have been probably the two most influential people in my life. And, uh, you know, on some of those issues, who was it? Some author talked about the books on his shelf. You got to put other books in between some of the books so they don't get in a fight. <laughs> <laughs> and so they disagree on some things, but so it is. That's helpful. Thank you, Mike. And now taking it to a more local level, because these teachers, you know, we're not going to interact with them really on a personal level, probably ever. But we have believers around us, and pretty much everyone listening to this has brothers and sisters who differ on this issue, cessationists, continuationists, or 80%, 20% differ (laughs) on their percentages. So maybe, Mike, how would you counsel us when we're interacting with believers in our day-to-day life who agree with us theologically on most issues, but on this issue are different, let's say I'm a cessationist, they're a continuationist, or vice versa, how would you counsel someone to interact? I would even, I would even just limit it to this issue. I would say, you know, the key word there being believers. How do we interact with believers who may differ with us on some issue? Well, that's always going to happen probably every single day of your life, right? Key passage, 1 Peter 4, 8 through 10, if you would. I'd like to read that. We read, Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling, as each has received a gift. Use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Love and serve. Key words there in that passage, right? Just as Christ modeled for us to love and serve our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. That is excellent. What a good passage. And I've said this many times. I usually talk about this in the newcomers class or just talking to people. When someone becomes a member of Faith Bible Church, the agreements that you are making are, for example, can you live in harmony with the leadership and with the doctrinal statement? But we word that very specifically, you have to live in harmony. Kind of like First Peter 4 right there. You don't have to agree with us in everything, because even as elders, we don't agree on everything, on every small theological point or interpretation of a passage. Or... So we're still like-minded, but we don't agree on every single point. So we expect that 
you won't agree with us on everything. And when our church has an official position like cessationism, that's our position as a church, as a group. It doesn't mean every single person in the church holds that view. And it doesn't mean you can't be a member here and you can't plug in if you don't hold that view. It doesn't mean that. What it does mean is, number one, if you're at Faith Bible Church and you hold a different view, I hope you see from this podcast, we love you very much. May the Lord give us both great light as we continue to grow. We always ask people who hold any differing view from the church itself not to make it a crusade to win people to your position. Because <laughs> it really is no problem at all, and we can live in such great unity. But uh, Ernie used to talk about people coming to the church with a briefcase metaphorically in their hand because they got big plans. <laughs> <laughs> big plans of changing people to their views of whatever it is. Uh, that just hurts the unity of the church. So I always encourage someone, if you hold a differing secondary view, if somebody asks you, let them know and let them know why. That's fine. Talk about it in a Bible study. That's fine. But don't make it your agenda and crusade to win people over to your view. That that leads to a great disruption. But on the other hand, those of us who hold the view of the church itself, when we're interacting with those who disagree, we'll do it with charity. And we live also in harmony with those who differ with us. Well, it might be in the past that you thought that continuationists are so far out there are they even part of the kingdom? <laughs> or it might be in the past that you thought, this, ma- this issue doesn't even matter at all. Who even cares what you think about the gifts? Those are wrong extremes on both ends. You may have thought those things in the past, but may God help us all by his grace now to think this way. 